The Chosen. Some of you have been watching The Chosen on TV or on the internet, and uh, some of you have had a lot of questions about this, and I love the way that they start it. They start by saying, look, we've taken some creative liberty here, so please understand that not everything that you see on those TV shows is, is the exact story in Scripture, right? But when they do get to the portions that are in Scripture that they've led up to the story, they use, most of the time, quotes from the Bible of it. And here's what I love the most. They put a disclaimer out there that points us towards the Gospels, and they say, you need to read the Gospels of Christ yourselves, right? Which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? So anyway, we're doing this series because some of you have questions about, about it as we approach Easter You've been watching, and I hope that we can answer some of those questions in just the few weeks that we're doing this. Uh, we're going to focus on the main things that I think God was trying to communicate those last couple of weeks of his life, especially. And uh, so let's get to it. So today we're talking about he chose you to send. He chose you to send. When someone gives you a job, that feels really good, doesn't it? Makes you feel good. Unless you're lazy, all right? But you feel believed in. You feel competent. You feel like somebody sees your gifts and your talents and, and that you're mentally stable and able to pull off the job, right? And suddenly you feel connected to them and to the, the whole organization of whatever it is. You might feel like you have something that, that now you belong there, right? Some, sometimes you feel like you don't belong somewhere. And then when you're given a job, it's like, oh, I belong here. I fit here. I, at least at this moment, this makes sense. I feel meaningful in this moment. And when you're a guest in someone's house and you go in and they suddenly ask you to help with something, what, how does that make you feel? Hey, can you help clean off the table? Suddenly you feel connected. You feel like you're on the inside of the household, right? You feel like you're making a difference. Go make some drinks. Do you mind doing that? You feel, you feel welcome. You feel like you're helping. So this is how God operates in his kingdom. God isn't just God. He is Father. He is Father, right? And Father knows how to operate a household and put people to work and do what needs to be done throughout the, the, the day. And that's how God operates. He chose you to send you. He has work for you to do. And that should make you feel good, unless you're lazy. And this work, it helps you to feel like you belong. It helps you to feel connected. The work helps you find your purpose. And it helps you to feel meaningful in your life. God is way more interested in putting you to work than you think he is. He wants to put you to work. He wants you to know that you belong, that you're connected, that you matter to him. And he's, he's given you the ability to do that. Oh, but John, I'm not qualified. I, you know, I have problems. I have fear. 
I have a past. How many of y'all have pasts? And then we've got people who have presents. How many of you have presents? We're, we're still living in it, right? John, that makes me disqualified. No, that doesn't make you disqualified. Well, John, I don't have anything to offer. Listen, throughout the Bible, we see people that, that continually gave God these excuses and these reasons for not doing what he has sent them to do. Y'all know Moses? He's a pretty big deal, isn't he? You have God, then you have Moses. <laughs> Moses was a big deal. When God called Moses to do what he was calling him to do, he was like 80 years old. How many of you are... No, don't. <laughs> and Moses, he was like, God... Who am I? Or he's talking to a burning bush and he starts arguing with God. He starts telling, he says, who am I that you would send me? And then he says, who are you? I don't even know you. God, I don't even know. You. If they ask me who sent you me to, to them, I'd be like, I don't even know who he is. Who are you? And then he says, what if they don't listen to me? What if they argue with me? What if they dispute with me? You know, we we, we assume that others are going to do what we do ourselves, which is what Moses was doing to God. And he says, you know what, God, I have a speech impediment. My tongue is slow. I have a problem. And we don't know if it was stuttering or if he just talked like a, a southern person. We don't know. But he had an impediment. And Moses, hey, yeah, y'all know I love, I love that, yeah, Alabama. My, my late wife was Alabama, right? Sweet Alabama voice. Moses went on and on to God as to why he's sending the wrong guy. God, you got the wrong guy. I'm not, I'm not what you're looking for. And you know, it's interesting. This was one of the longest conversations God had with somebody that's recorded in the Bible. He had a long conversation with him. God was patient with him. Until Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And God said, and look what it says. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God mad. So we keep making excuses and excuses. And, and this is the conversation. God reasoned with Moses and he's like, okay, Moses, <laughs> use some common sense here. I'm the one who created you. I made your ears and your eyes, and by the way, I made your tongue, dummy. And if, you're, if your tongue is slow, it's the way I made it. And if I'm calling you to do this, then I will make you successful. If I'm sending you, it's going to be all right. Isn't that awesome? Boy, if we could only believe that for ourselves. You know, at some point in a child's life, <clears throat> they need to work. <laughs> Not only is it helpful to everybody around them, but it's helpful to them to get a job, to go to work, right? I remember when uh, John Michael turned 16, he was about 16 years old, and, and I was praying, God, you know, what's the next level for him? We haven't been to this juncture in our parenting yet, you know? 
And I started, started just asking, God, you know, what's some direction for him? We want to make sure that this kid is set up to do what you've called him to do. You created him and all of that. And the Lord dropped something in my heart, and it was, it was this. He needs to get a job. Okay. Now, my wife had homeschooled our, him, you know, since kindergarten. And, you know, any of you who remember Angela, she was a mother bear, right? And so I went to Angela and I said, honey, it's time for John Michael to get a job. What do you think she said? <laughs> my baby. No, I can't. my baby can't get a job. I said, he's not your baby anymore. He needs to get a job. And uh, I, was, I was just firm with it. I said, look, he's going to get a job. So she helped get him a job. He found a job at Market Street there at El Dorado on the tollway. And all four of my kids have actually worked there at this point, and uh, some still do. And uh, different, yeah. Oh, Emma Grace doesn't. I'm sorry. No, she's special. So <laughs> she has her own business, her own. I was thinking of Jacob. She has her own. Uh, she teaches piano. So I, I remember got him into this job, and I remember I'll never forget going to work and picking him up that that day, the first day after his job. He got in the car and I said, well, how did it go? He said, dad, I had no idea I could get that much done in one hour. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's great. Yes, this is awesome. This works, right? And you know, he was conquering a new level in his life. And now he's on to getting his PhD later this year. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Proud of the kid. But you know, he felt good about it. He started contributing to life. And he started feeling like he had more of a place as he grew up and he grew into adulthood. And he feels confident with where he is today. And it's so important for you in the church, in the kingdom of God, to feel like you're a part of what's happening, of what God is doing. So many people come into the church and they're struggling with depression they never find a place where they can feel connected. They don't get to a place where they hear God. They don't get to see him move and do certain things. They never get to see anything tangible because they're not involved in doing something for him. And they get stuck watching everybody else do their part. And they feel like they're on the outside looking in. And I hope I'm not talking to some of you today, but most likely I am. Feeling like you're on the outside looking in. On the kingdom of God. And we don't want you to be there. Amen? Amen? God doesn't want you to be there. God wants you to be on the inside. He wants you to feel connected. He wants you to feel like you're doing what he's called you to do in this world. And he wants you to know that he's gifted you. He's talented you. He's given you what needs to happen in your life. For you to be a part of what he's doing. And, and you know, eventually these people don't. They end up not seeing any reason for them being in the kingdom of God. And they just drift away. And they fail. They feel discouraged, they, they just fall away, never knowing what the problem was. And here's what the problem is. If we don't take that next step and begin to serve and begin to do what God has, has called us to do, you're never going to feel that connection. You see, God has chosen you to send. To send what? To send you. To send his message. 
His message of love, message of hope. Listen, you may not be able to sing, or we may not have it available at the moment for you, but you can always do what God is sending you to do. You may not be able to preach, and we may not offer that at the moment for you if you do, but you can always do what God has sent you to do. God has sent all of us to do his work and what he wants to accomplish in other people's lives. You, can, you may not be able to cook, and if you can't cook, please don't cook for us. But you can always do what God has sent you to do. He has chosen you to be a part of his work. And we cannot forget that the biggest work there is to do for the kingdom of God is to reach out and touch the lives of people that don't know him yet. So imagine what it was like with the disciples. They've been watching the Jesus show. You know, I mean, think about this. They've been watching Jesus perform miracles. They've been watching him do all kinds of things. And, and they're like, wow, this is awesome. We're just watching and, and we're just learning from him. He's our teacher. We're the students. And one day Jesus sits down with the disciples and he begins to tell them something that rocks their world. And let's take a look at, at this clip. I have for you. It's best that you spread out and not be concentrated in one place. I, I don't understand. I'm going to go home to Nazareth for a time. And while I'm there, I'm sending you out in every direction, two by two, specifically to our people only. Every direction, Rabbi? Yes, but not to the Gentiles. Not yet. That will come in time but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just as Joshua led the 12 tribes to take the promised land. You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you are on this mission, you will heal the sick and the lame by anointing them with oil. You will cast out demons. You will Why are you all looking at me like that? Uh, could, could you just repeat that one more time? I'm sending you out two by two, proclaiming as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons. How soon are we talking about here? There's that word again. I'll get to that, Simon. Hold on. Heal the sick, cast out demons. While you are on this mission, I grant you this authority. Someday, you will have it all the time. Was that a ceremony I missed? This is it. feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. With all due respect, Rabbi, we've only just begun as students. We're not nearly qualified enough. Why would you need us for this work? He doesn't need us. He wants us. Thank you, see. 
Very good. John, if I needed religious leaders or qualified students for my ministry, I wouldn't have chosen. Well, you'll get the point. Can we get back to the part about healing the sick for one second? You will take nothing for your journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money. Not even Salome's food. Wear sandals and do not bring an extra tunic. We can't even bring a change of clothes? Even the wandering cynic philosophers carry a second tunic. Yes, they do. And I'd like to distinguish you from the cynics. They also carry beggars' bags for people to put gold and silver coins into. And you will not do that. You receive without paying. Now give without pay. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And if anyone should not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that household town. Do not waste your time. You said if anyone will not listen to our words. What words exactly? What are we supposed to teach? Anything you've ever heard from me. I've only ever heard the one sermon. You heard the best one. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're <laughs> all so good. Uh-huh. That mess... You ever sign up for something and all of a sudden it becomes real? <laughs> oh, man. Imagine sitting there and Jesus begins to tell you, you're, now, you're no longer spectators. You're participants. You will go out and do this. And I say the same thing to you today. You're no longer spectators. You are here to share his message with others. What are your objections? <clears throat> So the message that we've talked about you going out is and just a way to start. I shared it with you earlier. I've been sent by my church to see if there's something I can pray with you about. We believe God loves you and God answers prayers. Is there something we can pray with you about? It's pretty simple, isn't it? Say it with me. I think it's up on the... Yeah. Say it with me. I've been sent by my church to see if there's something I can pray with you about. We believe God loves you and answers prayer. Do you have anything in your life we can pray with you about? It's not that hard. It's full of love, isn't it? But when I say that we're sending you that God is sending you. What objections are coming in your mind? Oh, John, I can't do that. It scares me. I shared this, I 
think this past Wednesday night, I remember my dad telling me a story one time. He was at a place to get his car fixed, and he's sitting in the waiting room, and the Holy Spirit said, you need to pray for the guy behind the counter. And my dad was you know my dad, he's not somebody that's just going to jump up and say something to somebody. He's a very quiet and reserved kind of person, unless he's fishing. <laughs> and so he sat there and he was arguing with God, kind of like Moses, right? And finally, the guy behind the counter stopped what he was doing and looked at my father and he said, is there any way that you could pray with me? <laughs> Honest to God, that happened. Didn't even know my dad. Didn't know if he was a Christian or not. God wants to use you in very tangible ways in this community. Where is God? Where is his movement like we were talking about earlier? The majority of it's going to be through his people. And you touching the lives of the people around you. In his wedding feast parable, Jesus said this, so go into the highways and byways and invite everyone you find. Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in and how can they believe in the one on whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can they hear unless we go? And we're sending you. We're sending you. Isaiah recorded an experience he had with God in Isaiah chapter 6. I want to read this experience to you. He said he saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, all right, so he's having this experience with God. And instead of seeing anything else, what does he see? He sees himself. God is great. I'm horrible. He says, woe is me for I am undone. And then he looks out and he says, because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Not only me, but everybody around me is unclean. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then, the, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard a vo the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. You see, God is still looking for people who will say, here am I. Send me. You have a message. You have something you want to communicate to the person down here at Whataburger. Here am I. Send me. 
You got someone at Rosa's, your favorite restaurant, somebody said it earlier. Here am I. Send me, God. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. And you have a message of hope and peace and prayer and God. God's love and God's strength. Now the message that he was giving Isaiah was a little bit opposite of that. So we have the fortunate reality of being able to take a wonderful message to him. It's awesome. But woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve to speak for God. That's what Moses said too. Who am I? Well, what does God say? I have touched you. I have saved you. I have washed you. I have forgiven you. I have made you able. I have given you a new life. And I have given you a new day. Now it's time for someone else to have it. But what would I say? I don't have anything to say. John, the things that you just read off and we said together, I'm just going to forget. Then write it down. Have it on your phone. Whatever it takes, it's time for you to start using and getting it out. Not only that, you could tell them what I preach on Sunday. You could tell them about your devotion from this morning. The things that you've heard from God. You can tell them what you've heard. You can tell them your life story and how Jesus came into your life and how you have that relationship with God. You've got that. You can share it. You can tell it to them. Ask them simply, can I pray with you? Tell them that the war between God and man is finished. And God has made a way for them to have a relationship with him. And he wants that relationship and he loves them. Amen. In December 1944, a Japanese lieutenant, his name was, and I don't, I'm going to botch this name, Hiro Onodo, Onoda, maybe somebody knows the name. He was stationed in Lubang, it's a small island off the Philippines, and um, his job was to go in and take care of some things like, like blow up the, uh, the airport, the airstrip where the U.S. would fly in, and and. That didn't get done in time because when the U.S. flew in, they came in and they annihilated all of the military, the Japanese military on that island, except for him and a few other guys. He stayed on that island not knowing the war was over for 30 years. Waiting for his commanding officer to come and tell him the war is over. He stayed there for 30 years. Imagine what it was like when he got back to Japan and was like, you mean we're allies with the United States now? They did what? They dropped two A-bombs on us. And they were planning for like 12 to 14 to just annihilate us. And we're allies with these people now? You can imagine how shocked and surprised he was. And, and it's kind of interesting because in 2018, the Japanese government put out that 84% of the Japanese people feel close to the United States. And we've gone from dropping two A-bombs on them. To having such a wonderful relationship. Being allies. Isn't that interesting? They needed to, he needed to hear that the war was over. And listen. They need to hear that the war is over. The war between God and man is over. There's peace. 
and we can have that relationship with him. There's no longer any conflict between God and man. Simply because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus could have annihilated the entire world, but instead he dropped one big J-bomb on the world and he spread his blood all over the place, right? Jesus saved us. and He came to save the world. And we have responsibility in that. You see, not only did God win the war, but we did too. And you can have that relationship with him if you don't have it. God made us his allies. It's awesome. Yesterday, as I was putting that story together, uh, reading it, Dana texted me. And I'm going to read it word for word what he said. It was just funny because it was right on the backside of me putting that story in the sermon. He said, I'm watching the movie Sergeant York, the most decorated soldier in World War I. After basic training, it switches to a ship. The words say, now fully trained and ready for battle, they are transported to Europe. He said, that's what we're doing as a church. We've already gone through basic. It's time to take the land as the Lord and you lead. The soldiers trained and fully equipped. It's time. It's time. You are being sent. You are being sent. Your master, Jesus, chose you to send you. James David, would you come? Matthew chapter 28. These are the words of Jesus. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. I have been given it. That means what Jesus says goes. In all the universe and beyond. What he says goes. Well, John, I've got a stubborn streak in me. It's time to let that stubborn streak go when it comes to God. Well, John, I'm a little bit rebellious. It's time to let that rebellion go. He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And what he says, you and I need to do. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> okay. not going to work out for you. He says, with that authority, I'm telling you, go to the people of all nations, make them my disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I've told you to do. I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. I will be with you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How is he going to be with them? Is he going to be one little Jesus with every one of us? No, he's going to be Jesus everywhere through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? John recorded this after Jesus was raised. The disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Okay, Jesus has been raised from the dead. They already crucified him. He's raised from the dead. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And on the evening of the same Sunday, they locked themselves in a room. The disciples. 
suddenly Jesus appeared in the middle of the group. Whoa, how did he get here? He greeted them and showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they became very happy. After Jesus had greeted them again, he said, I am sending you just as the Father has sent me. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was the first time the Holy Spirit had gone into somebody through salvation. Isn't that awesome? Because throughout the Old Testament, they couldn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them because of sin. But Jesus broke that curse and he made it possible for God's spirit to live inside of you so that you could go and do what Jesus wants you to do with your life and for his kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't want to just live for this world anymore. Making money for the man, right? I want to bring souls in for the kingdom of God. That's where life is. That's where hope is. You may not be qualified for a lot of things, but you're qualified for this one thing for sure. And that is to bring people into the kingdom of God. To pray for people. To simply love people. What's the difference? I was, uh, dad had a little medical procedure done this week and I was sitting in the waiting room. This woman, and I suppose it was her husband, walked in and she was going to have some sort of a procedure done as well. And she's standing there trying to get checked in. You know how nervous you can be when you're going to have some kind of a medical procedure, right? After about 10 minutes of getting her checked in, the man turned and he started to walk out the door. And as he was leaving, he didn't even turn around. He just yelled for everybody to hear. I'll be back at 10 sharp and you better be done. And he walked out the door. She didn't even turn around. That's the world. That's not you. Your light, your salt, your hope, your peace, your rest, your encouragement. You are the salt of the earth. And we treat each other with love and respect encouragement and hope not just here but everywhere amen you're people of light in a dark world and may God bring hope and peace through us into our community that's the difference It's a way different message than, honey, I'm praying for you. Listen, I'm here. I'm believing for you. 
you're going to get through this little procedure okay and everything's going to be well. Have you considered that Jesus is sending you? Would you bow your heads? What are your objections? They're going through your head right now. What if you just said, send me, Lord. Send me. I'll go. I will go. Would you tell him? Send me, Lord. I'll go. I'll go. And maybe you're here today and you're somebody that hasn't accepted Christ into your life. He's tugging at your heart right now. He used the visual of knocking on the door and saying, if you'll answer, I'll come in. Just invite me into your life. I will give you purpose. I will give you meaning. I will give you hope. I will make you salt of the earth. I will make you light in a dark world. Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Help me to become a new person in Christ Jesus. I accept that today. I accept you for who you are, God. What you like and what you don't like, I want to get to know. And I accept you. I make you my God, my Father. Thank you for what you've done for me in Jesus' name. Amen.